Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for joining us today. When you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our 2021 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new vehicle. You will also want to check out our blog for in-depth reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun uh, fun car-related stuff. And if you have missed an episode or two of the podcast, you can stream back episodes of the show right there on our homepage. If you have questions or comments for me or my co-hosts, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. She is Jill Seminillo. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that about sums it up. It's um, yeah, it's a good day. Every day I wake up is a good day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we just noted before we went on air, uh, it's nice and sunny where you're at in Florida, and somewhat chilly and drab and damp up here. So. Yeah, I was trying not to rub that in, um, but <laughs> yeah. I am going to say that it is a actually phenomenally beautiful day where I'm at. I'm wearing a tank top and shorts, so I'm just going to, you know, leave that there. Yeah, I am too, but it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> You're always wearing shorts, though. We, we, don't, we won't talk about the tank top. Yeah. All right. He is senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive, and he has the largest collection of vintage garden gnomes in the Lincolnwood, Illinois area, many of which are for sale. You can check them out at gnomeindex.ru. Welcome, Damon Bell. Dot R-U? Yeah. Doesn't that that mean it's in Romania? I was going to say Russia, but... Russia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's just say let's just say I ran a little afoul of United States uh, garden gnome laws, and I had to go underground. So I did notice that you have up for auction this week wheelbarrow Willie and my gnome goes fishing, which are two prized statuettes. Yeah, I, I transitioned. I, I transitioned from to the garden gnomes from uh, Precious Moments figurines a couple of years back. I just. Well, I and, woke and up one morning and I was done with precious moments. How, how dare you? All on garden gnomes. <laughs> I bet that happened to a lot of people. Just done uh, with precious moments. Precious moments figurines were certainly easier to store. They're smaller, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they just don't have the appeal that garden gnomes do. But you can't leave them out on your lawn. Mm, that's true. You could, but it would not end well for the precious moments. No. Right. All right. Hey, our guest today is Randy Dale, Nissan Senior Manager for Product and Advanced Planning. Randy is here to talk about the all-new Nissan Frontier small pickup truck. You don't want to miss this conversation. But first, Jill. Jill, yes. I have a riddle for you. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Okay. I, I, I am. If this goes the way my quiz scores go of late, <laughs> I am not going to be getting this at all. But go for it. All right, Is Jill. it garden gnome related? No. <laughs> not garden gnome related. Okay. No. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Jill, what do you call it when, at your Cinco de Mayo party, you run out of things to dip into the salsa? <laughs> A failure. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. I got it. I got uh, it. What is a chip shortage, Alex? Uh, but but maybe I don't put chips because I'm typically more gluten-free than not. Maybe I don't dip chips. Hmm. I dip other oh, things. That, does, that doesn't work for Tom's uh, going way too far segue here. I, I know. Um, the, the, yeah. But to, to plan on his segue or to go into his segue chip shortage, uh, we wanted to talk about the semiconductor chip shortage that we are currently experiencing. Um, I would say in the United States, no, not corn, not corn chips. Um, I would, I would say United States, but I think it's more of a worldwide shortage. And 
It's it's mm. totally global. And um, yeah. so on pickup truck uh, plus SUV talk, we've actually been talking about this since December because of the fact that uh, my boss, Tim Estradal, who has been on the show, was trying to buy, to f- buy a Ford F-150 Power Boost, which is the hybrid, and there were none available because of this chip shortage. And come to find out, by the end of December, there were like three trucks available, and he bought one of them. Um, but more recently, we are starting to see this chip shortage create even more problems for uh, the the automotive segment, uh, because when you think about it, the chips power basically everything from fuel modules to the infotainment systems in your vehicles. And so, um, you know, a couple, I guess it was like last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, General Motors and, uh, announced, so Chevrolet and GMC, in their pickup trucks, they are going to take one of the um, semiconductor chips out of their trucks. And these trucks are now, for the rest of this model year, 2021, going to get... Uh, less fuel because it was the the the, the fuel economy module um and and so, so they're going to get less fuel efficient for this model year and they haven't said how less you know how much less the fuel efficiency is going to be but um basically the, the long story longer um <laughs> long story short um this this chip shortage is basically affecting everything in the automotive industry and um you know, Tim, you shared, a, or Tim, Tom, I'm now I'm thinking of my boss, Tom, you shared a very interesting uh, video from CNBC that kind of talked a little bit about why that shortage is happening. Yeah, and we should talk about that. When we talk about chips, we're talking about semiconductors or microchips. And when we say that anything is computer controlled, this is really what we're talking about. And I'm thinking about my dad's 1974 Valiant, which had electronic ignition, which had like the very first early stages of this. And I think there was just like a bunch of transistors under the hood. Uh, uh, That's a vehicle that might have been still produced during a chip shortage. But this, this, this chip shortage thing is interesting because it's going to affect anyone looking for a car in the next six to 12 months. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, manufacturers predicted lower sales than they actually saw. And the result was they made long-term plans to reduce demand for all sorts of things, including semiconductors. Here's the problem. Semiconductors are not as easy to ramp up production of or cut back production of. They right. take a very long time to produce, months and months and months. You wouldn't think so, but but they're complicated to build. So this is where things got weird. Manufacturers plan to build fewer vehicles, auto manufacturers. Meanwhile, we all started working from home and we started buying printers and computers and laptops and Bluetooth speakers and Bluetooth headphones and all sorts of things to accommodate Zoom meetings. So chip production didn't, didn't really go down, it was reallocated. And now mm-hmm. automakers are seeing that demand for their cars didn't go down nearly as far. Right. The result is they can't get chips. And as you noted, Jill, <laughs> the result is either a reduction in production or the very weird thing that General Motors is doing, which is a cutback on features, including their dynamic fuel management system. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some, yeah, and a point, something to point out is micro the the semiconductors these chips they're in everything and it's it's they're kind of the building blocks by from which all you know electronic gadgetry uh springs from and it doesn't matter if it's an iphone uh a nintendo switch video game system or the the navigation system or touchscreen in your car they all kind of use the same raw materials um, and so they're all, all those industries that, that utilize chips, they're sort of pulling from the same pool uh, of, of chip suppliers. And yes, uh, Tom, as you mentioned, when the COVID hit and manufacturers had to suspend production, the, you know, they kind of canceled a lot of orders, which caused the, the supply chain to dry up. Um, and then the chip industry reallocated its resources because they don't like to be sitting on a bunch of products that there's no demand for either. Uh, They went to the electronics industry, which frankly, I think uh, I'm no expert, but I think the chip industry sort of prefers to serve uh, the the more traditional electronics industry because there's a little bit higher profit there. Um, So yes, then all of a sudden uh, production, you know, factories, 
auto factories are being brought back online. There's there's been a pent up demand for new vehicles. And then all of a sudden automakers discover, wait a second, there's a shortage in the raw materials, i.e. the chips that we need to, to build these vehicles. And again, Tom, as you mentioned, it's not just Oh, hey, we need more chips. Can you give them to them? Can you get them? Get those to us next week? No, it's like from raw silicon mining to finished chips at the automakers uh, assembly lines. That's about six months. Mm -hmm. So that's Is a that crazy amazing? amount. Of t yeah, that the that's a crazy amount of time, and I'm sure uh, automaker product planners have got a real unpleasant crash course in uh, the, the chip industry because it just wasn't an issue before. There were no major disruptions in this supply chain like the one that COVID caused. Right. Um, so uh, I think it, things will, they'll eventually achieve equilibrium again, but we're looking at least a few more months well further into 2021. And in the meantime, uh, <laughs> Millions and millions of dollars are being left on the table, lost uh, for by manufacturers who can't uh, ramp up uh, their production because of the shortage. And one of the things too is that these chips aren't interchangeable. It's, it's not like you can use the one from my Bluetooth speaker on my desk to to <laughs> sort to run the the electronic fuel management system in the GMC. Uh, Sierra. But it, what we're learning here, and I think we've learned this too, watching Tesla try to start up and become a major auto manufacturer, is that it's very, very hard to buy a vehicle. And one of the, one of the pitfalls that faces manufacturers is, is that when you outsource anything, you are subject to the whims and, and fortunes of the company that you outsource from. And there are very few chip makers relative to the people that use them. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like this. We're learning too as we move into the, the electric car era that like lithium is hard to source and that lithium ion batteries are going to be difficult to produce. And right now, if projected growth in electric car sales actually goes where it's supposed to be going, there may be a shortage of batteries, just like rare earth metals to make the motors. But Damon, I think you and I talked about this. And Jill, I don't know if you'll remember this, but back in 2011, mm. do you remember the tsunami that took out the Fukushima power plant? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you remember that near Fukushima in Onohama, there was a plant that produced paint pigments for the auto industry. And it turned out that this was the only plant on the planet that built something called Zerolic. And, mm -hmm. and it was I'm the like, only- I'm like, I do not remember. You don't remember this? No. For that year, you couldn't get a black Ford Expedition or F-150 or Lincoln Navigator because the only source of the pigment they were using in the paint was this one factory that was taken out by basically a tidal wave. It, it, it's just funny how this works in the supply chain. And we're gonna see this now. And the net for consumers is very expensive cars for the next few months. There, yeah. there will be few rebates. You're not gonna see a lot of advertising. Maybe you will but you're not gonna see price advertising. And if you go shopping, you're probably going to get a fortune for your trade, but you're gonna be paying an awful lot for the new vehicle. Yeah, it's very the 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 short term what this is going to do to supply and demand and hence prices for both new and used vehicles is really going to be something to see. I just wanted to circle back really quick to uh, to elaborate on what Jill was talking about with the GM pickups. Um, yeah. yeah, that is GM has elected to move forward with continuing to build its full size trucks but the the chip shortage affects them in that those vehicles have a cylinder deactivation system mm -hmm. uh that is that is you know managed uh powered by uh microchips and given the shortage gm has a chip shortage gm has elected to go ahead and build those full-size pickups without the cylinder shutdown mm -hmm. technology uh, because they don't have the chips to power it, um, I think I think I did read somewhere, Jill, that it was it would probably end up to be about a mile per gallon. Yeah, uh, drop. yeah. They um, they haven't announced specifically what it is, but that is the assumption is it'll be about yeah, one I'm mile sure, per gallon. And and I guess eventually they they will have to. I would assume that they would need to have accurate EPA ratings for those trucks right. that are so affected. Man, it just. It starts, it's obviously you see the can yeah. of worms that is opened here. And then we were asking the question, when the chip, you know, shortage is resolved, 
uh, frankly, with full-size truck buyers, they're probably there's a good number of them that that want their full-size pickup and aren't going to be as concerned about the cylinder shutdown right. technology. So that's probably a good, uh, you know, vehicle genre to to move forward yeah, with. But the, right. the question the question is then. Are, will that technology be able to be easily retrofitted to those trucks that were produced without it, or are they even going to bother with that? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question, and I haven't seen the answer to that. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. The other part of that that will be interesting is whether or not there's a credit on the window sticker for the loss right. of that system. I think we've, yeah. we've determined in off-air conversations that consumers are a lot less interested in this, and that General Motors actually isn't and plays the system largely for compliance and for fuel economy standards. I don't know right. if the average buyer is really going to worry about 0.9 MPG. <laughs> mm -hmm. Probably but. not. It's probably as Damon pointed out for the pickup truck segment. So, yeah. No. Yeah. I guess the bottom line for me, uh, it's just this whole thing just underscores the fact building vehicles is really 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 hard and there are all kinds of things that can throw a stick in the spokes that the average buyer just has no concept of and yeah with just in time inventory where you you know uh sourcing parts there's just so many moving pieces to uh getting vehicles produced in a timely economical fashion that that and so many things that can go wrong it just i'm glad i'm not a uh production manager for an OEM. For, for more on this, the chip shortage, if you want to know more about it and how it's affecting plants and production, uh, our guest, our regular guest, Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions has produced an excellent video summarizing the impact of the chip shortage thus far. So that's Auto Forecast Solutions. Uh, Solutions. We will link to that. But we should take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk to the folks at Nissan about the all new Frontier midsize pickup. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for sticking around. This is the part of the show when I strongly recommend you give me a follow on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Give me a follow. All right, our guest today is Nissan Senior Manager of Product and Advanced Planning. He's a 30-year Nissan veteran who's been involved with the launch of more than 20 separate Nissan products during his career. He has a bachelor's degree in science and engineering from Wayne State University. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Randy Dale. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us today. You're in Tennessee, aren't you? Yeah, I'm located. I work out at the headquarters in Nashville. I do travel the country quite a bit, but my home base is in the Nashville area. It, it is cold and damp here today in Chicago, where we produce this show, but Jill is in Florida, and she's been bragging <laughs> about how nice it is there. So yeah. if, you, if you've got good conditions, tell us about, tell us about them now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say it's somewhere in between today. It's actually a rainy day today in, in Nashville. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> So, Randy, you guys have just launched an all-new version of the Nissan Frontier pickup truck. This is a truck that's been part of the American pickup landscape for a very long time, and one that has largely gone unchanged for an awful long period of time. So tell us a little bit about this truck and why you guys have decided to do the big, big update now. Yeah. Well, it's, it will be launched later in the summer. Uh, it's officially going to be available uh, at your dealers later in the summer. Uh, this is, you know, one of the multi-generations of the vehicle itself. We introduced the first truck. You know, people don't realize this, but in 1959, we were actually the yeah. first compact truck in the United States. So we've been selling these for over 60 years. And in fact, we have over 4 million uh, individuals who have owned one of our trucks um, during that period. This latest generation, as you noted, um, the previous generation, yes, was in market for quite a bit. It's yeah. not that we didn't do anything to it. We, you know, there was a number of other products that we were working on at the same time um, during it. And we were developing uh, both full-size trucks, vans, and a number of other uh, vehicles where the technology um, was happening across the lineup. 
and we were we were associating that with bringing it into the new truck and that's how we culminated to the offering today the interesting thing about that too is is that I think a lot of people took note that the truck went unchanged for a long period of time. But I think that in that segment, at, at least at one point, there were buyers looking for a vehicle that was sort of simple and unchanged and perhaps, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but basic. And, and I think the market may have changed. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Yeah, over time, it developed. You know, you talk about the development, and when you're developing a vehicle, I spend a lot of time, and we'll, we might get into it a little bit today, talking to customers and their needs. And the needs have changed so much, even in the truck market, over the last you know, 15 years, quite drastically. Simple things, the way people use their truck, this might be something as simple as how you carry a mountain bike in a truck. Completely different mm-hmm. changed over time. New technologies coming in. So all of this, yeah, it, it plays a part in, in developing a truck. And it's not to say that the previous truck stood still by any means. As new technologies came in, we introduced them. We did have a minor change in there. And then just in 2020, we improved the powertrain. We put in a new engine. It's a 3.8 liter class leading 310 horsepower engine with 281 pound feet of torque um, and made it that with a new nine speed transmission. We couldn't wait. We knew we were developing a vehicle. It takes a long time to develop a vehicle. It doesn't happen overnight. And we couldn't wait. The engine was so good. And if you haven't driven it or anyone hasn't driven it, get in it. You have to feel it. It's great. No, that's a great drive time. I was re-watching the introduction of the vehicle last night just to prepare for this conversation. One of the things that the vehicle was described as was right size. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and, and, and how this vehicle compares in size to the other vehicles in the class? Yeah, it, it's it's a mid-sized pickup, of course. One of the things that we found, and, and I travel, as I said, the team and I, there's a number of us who travel the country uh, interviewing customers, owners of vehicles, owners of all mid-sized pickups for that matter, and especially uh, current Nissans. And one of the things that kept resonating through was, don't make it bigger. And the reason for that <laughs> is that mid-sized customers, you know, they, they, don't, they don't need a bigger truck. They don't need to prove anything. It's right what, what they need. And what we mean by that is the ability either to haul cargo when they need to or to get into a tight parking space. You know when you got that call and you have to come downtown and you get there and you find out, oh, now i got to go to a parking structure. Where do I put it? There's other elements, too, that come with it. Some of it's maneuverability, whether that's on or off-road. Um, they, they really like the maneuverability of a smaller truck than a full-size truck, meaning a mid-size pickup truck. And then another big factor we found is the weather conditions across the country change. And so there were, there were guys who were telling us, guys and gals, because we talked to a number of uh, mid-size pickup owners, uh, females, who said to me, hey, I got to get this thing inside. There's a hailstorm coming. I got to get it in my garage. You know, <laughs> it's not always easy to get a vehicle in a garage, a full-size truck, so they want to get it in there. Yeah. Another thing is, yeah. is, is something as simple as, as where you live and um, access to the, to the bed itself, meaning a lot of people like to load up on Friday night, get all the equipment in their truck, put it in the garage, lock the garage, get up Saturday morning, first thing, jump in and go. And so it's all of those elements that came in there, you know, that was resonating over and over from the customers saying, don't do it, don't make it big, I don't need a full-size truck. This is what I need. This is the right size truck. Mm-hmm. So in terms of size, the truck has, has more or less maintained its position as maybe being smaller than some of the vehicles in the class. But in terms of content, that's no longer the case. I remember very distinctly for a little while, the manual transmission four-cylinder version of the old vehicle was the least expensive pickup truck you could buy in the United States. And I remember as you guys were evolving towards this vehicle in conversations, uh, some Nissan representative had noted that the market for that has kind of vanished. So you guys are in an interesting position where you're trying to reach or have reached the content level of other manufacturers, but you still want a vehicle that's a little bit unique in terms of size. Talk just a little bit about that position and how your shoppers are slightly different. Well, I don't, I don't think the, the shoppers are all that different. Size, we're nearly, uh, we're very close to the other competitors, that's for sure. We're not, we're not really that much smaller. When you talk about ride size in general, it, it, what most of we were hearing during that whole feedback that we were taking was don't get bigger, don't grow, don't try to be the biggest of the midsize pickups, don't get that much larger. 
because of what you're carrying, the space, the amount of passengers that you have inside, it's adequate to fit all within that neighborhood. And in terms of, I had talked earlier about the engine itself, and you know, um, when we put in the V6 and we drove it, we knew instantly this is the engine everyone's going to want. And the, having you know availability when a customer goes to a dealership, do, do they have what I want? Do they have what I spec'd out online? As most people do nowadays, build a vehicle. In fact, they'll walk into a dealership knowing quite a bit about the vehicle, maybe even more uh, sometimes than the salesperson themselves selling it. So I know the answer to this question, but I'm just going to ask it because I'm thinking it. There's no demand for manual transmissions or regular cabs anymore, are there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't say there's no demand for it because I do talk to individuals who have that. It's it's really about where you're going to focus um, your product in the market and where you're going to excel with the product in the market. And again, uh, having availability of that truck for that individual. So when you weigh all of those together and you talk about, you know, I talked about how the customers are changing for full-size trucks, excuse me, mid-size trucks. Um, and many of them coming from full-size trucks, right? They're, they're actually downsizing themselves, and they're used to all the technologies and things that are available. You really have to start to focus when you're building a new truck on, okay, what's the priorities here? What, what does the customer want, want in their vehicles? Where, where is the market moving towards, and where is it going in the future? It's easy to sit back and look at a truck and say, oh, this is how I would have done it. But you have to realize you're developing products five to ten years into the mm. future, and you're anticipating how the market will move, right? You can go back five years ago, wireless charging in, in vehicles. Hmm? I don't know. Does anybody have that? But, right. You know, the new frontier comes with wireless charging. And, and if you had gone back five or ten years before that, if I had asked the customer, what do you think about wireless charging? They would have been puzzled. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? I need, I need towing. What are we talking about? But now that we hit the market, right, you're, you're in there. So you're always anticipating the market and movement as it goes, not necessarily what you know is at the time that you're asking the questions. Right. Well, and so, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, you're, you're looking at what the customer wants. And one of the things that you've done for this new generation is you've added a new trim, basically, and it's called the Pro X. So I was just wondering if you could talk yes. a little bit about what Pro X is and why you think people want it. Like, why did you add it? Like, what is it about that that people are going to want? Yeah, the, the, the two top uh trims that are available are the Pro 4X and the Pro X. The Pro 4X, of course, is our four-wheel drive version. It has features like electronic locking differential, Bilstein off-road shocks, under-skid plates. And some of that we carried over to the Pro, 4, Pro X. The Pro X is a two-wheel drive version. If you remember years ago, there used to be something called the Desert Runner, and it was, it was quite popular. It was a, a vehicle that they used. We sold one, um, and that was at the two-wheel drive. And it was a reintroduction for those customers who didn't need all the features of the four-wheel drive or didn't need all the capability of a four-wheel drive, but still wanted the look of the vehicle. And, and this resonated through when we would go around and I would stop at all the four-wheel drive off-road shops and, and be talking to people out in the out in the parking lot. Maybe some of them are listening today and wonder who I was. Uh, <laughs> that they, they, you know, they wanted the look, but they didn't need the capability of four-wheel drive. And so yeah, they were modifying their trucks and doing everything to make it look like that. We saw a market. We saw an opportunity. And we saw customer demand and said, yes, let's fill it. Yeah, that leads that leads perfectly into the question I want to ask you. Uh, I'm looking at the press photos of this, and I think the designers, the stylists, really nailed the look of this uh, oh, yeah. new pick, the new frontier. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm curious, like you touched on this a little bit just now, talking about owners modifying their trucks. Um, I was at the, well, obviously we didn't have a, a SEMA show, that's the Specialty Equipment Market Association, the huge trade show for the automotive aftermarket industry. Obviously COVID meant that didn't happen last year, but I was at the 2019 show and I was amazed to see how the off-road aftermarket has evolved with this overlanding trend. And I'm just curious, as you are developing new products, Frontier included, are you, Cognizant, or do you think about how the aftermarket is going to to take to it, and do you um, does that factor into your planning process? Because in some ways, man, the, it looks so good on the showroom floor. There doesn't seem to be uh, much 
uh, accessory wise you could do to improvement, but I'm, I'm curious what your relationship with the aftermarket is in planning new products. <laughs> Can't tell you the details, but I just happened to be on the phone with SEMA last week uh, discussing okay. some of these same oh. matters. And as you, as you pointed out, yes, that's a big part of the market. You know, this is one vehicle where individuals like to personalize it, and uh, there's a wide variety, whether you're doing overlanding, whether you're going strictly to an off-road side, whether you're going to a street side. There's so many things you can do. And I'm glad you brought up the design because it is an all-new design. Karen Patel, who was, was the head designer on this, he worked very, very closely with us. And to transfer the emotions of what a customer wants to the, to, shall we say, the hands of the designer is really an art form. To be able to get the inspiration, it's almost like, you know, you're sculpting something and putting the inspiration and the feelings of the customer into the design. And if you look at that vehicle, it has a very structural look to it. And what Heron was trying to do was to, to get a design that looked like it was machined out of a single piece of steel. So take a big block of steel and then you machined out the look of it. And you can really see that in, it, in the powerful front end, the massive grill that he put in there. Um, and even the headlamps, you know, the way they interlock with the body, like yeah. they were machined out in it, jammed, jammed into the body. And and what we wanted ultimately was, you know, we would talk to Iran and say, in the end, this is what we want. When you walk outside and you look at your truck, you know that feeling you get. Anybody who owns a truck knows it. Ah, that's my truck. And we put all of this emotion and the things that we learned in there and said, get it in there. This is what we need. And and get the stance, right? The stance and the presence of the vehicle. And he hit it. He, he hit a home run on it. Yeah. And and, and I, I would say, especially in the realm of heavy duty trucks, you could arguably say that some recent uh, full size heavy duty trucks have gone a little bit overboard with that Tonka toy uh, in your face aspect. And and yeah, I got to give the, the Frontier credit for walking up to that line but not crossing it it just there there's there's <laughs> yeah. a nice restraint and and with the with the fender shapes i'm kind of seeing a slight echo of the classic uh nissan hard body uh pickup trucks of the past too so there's a little bit of a heritage nod there as well yeah the inspiration of the hard body yeah specifically that we had in the 80s and 90s it yeah. absolutely was part of this discussion and development yeah Randy, we haven't given you a chance to brag on your new truck a little bit. For people who have been out of the market or don't know too much about the new Frontier, tell us what the two or three coolest features are. Oh, boy, you're going to limit me to two or three. <laughs> that's, that's the clock. That's the clock limiting you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can feel that. Uh, we still have a fully boxed um, high strength stale frame. So underneath you still have that. Um, there's things like we've improved the steering gear ratios, uh, the cab mounts, and retuned the suspension. Didn't miss a thing underneath. The heart of the vehicle starts underneath it. Still have four-wheel drive with on-the-ship fly between two and four-wheel drive. Um, he'll start ascent and uh, descent. He'll start assist and he'll, send, he'll descent control are both standard on uh, all models with the hill descent being on the four-wheel drive. If you're walking around and visually, man, I would love to be there and just be able to walk around with you in this. You look at the bed, it's now taller. It has a dampened tailgate, doesn't fall like a rock anymore. Um, bed caps on top of the rails going across. We have available factory spray and bed liner, uh, teletrack system, and new lighting in the bed. One of the biggest beefs is when you're trying to load something that night. We added two LEDs that are available on some grades where you can get LED lighting in the bed now. Towing is up at 6,720 pounds uh, for the max case. D depends on model, of course, and trim that you pick with 1,610 pounds of payload. But the thing is, it's not only the outside, it's when you get inside. And I talked about that new technology, which comes in here. I talked about wireless and, and smartphone charging, uh -huh. Wi-Fi hotspot, 110-volt outlets, Fender Premium Audio is in there. But then you get to the driver assist features, and, if, and, and the features are available that we have what we call Nissan Safety Shield 360, automatic emergency braking with pedestrian control, blind spot warning, rear truck traffic alert, all those things you need when you're driving a truck, right, in that one instant when you need it, it's available. And it's different from trim to trim, but we have those as being available. Um, available in two- and four-wheel drive still, king and crew cab, 
two bed lengths. The crew cab's available in two bed lengths, a five-foot and a six-foot bed. And then the king cab has a six-foot bed as such. A number of packages, nine exterior colors. You talked about accessories. We actually have, between our Nismo and our Nissan division, accessory divisions, we have over 85 accessories now in development. Fun. Sounds good. Uh, we had a question for you about the chip shortage, which we talked about on the show before you joined us. Uh, any chance this vehicle will be delayed? Uh, not at this time. We don't see a, a delay to it. Of course, it, that's changing day to day, and we're watching it. And we'll continue to watch it closely. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to talk about the truck. I hope you can see how much we, you know, really the, the amount of work and passion that goes into it. There's a huge team of men and women that work on this, both in Japan and the United States, you know, right across our gamut of engineering, design, manufacturing, and, and quality to put this on the road. And we're really excited to get it out later this summer. Well, we're excited to take a spin in that sometime soon. All right, that was Randy Dale with Nissan. Watch for our test drives of the 2022 Nissan Frontier coming soon. When we come back, it's quiz time. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Jill, you're you're active on DigiHug. Uh, how can we follow you there? DigiHug. It, it, well, you know, in the um, this is this is a social media that has uh, launched in the COVID era because uh, people can no longer hug in person. So, right. you know, DigiHug, you know, you're doing, you're hugging people digitally. Um, so totally active there. And uh, on pretty much every other social medium uh, out there, but you can, you can find me uh, anywhere I am active at uh, Jill Simonello. So just my name, first and last name, all one word. And that's J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L. Um, or you can look for the hashtag car du jour. So kind of like soup du jour, but car du jour. There you go. Damon, you're a hugger. What's the deal? <laughs> uh, no one was hugging last year. Mm-mm. Hence um, DigiHug. Hence DigiHug. Uh, no, I'm not on DigiHug, but you can find me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. All right, sounds good. Do um, you guys know what time it is? Is that a rhetorical Ooh, question? Kind of. <laughs> quiz time. It's quiz time. Damon gets a bonus point for shouting it out with enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is quiz time. This is the Car Stuff Power Quiz. Today's topic, more fake models, really more fake trim levels. I hope you're ready. Damon, you go first this week. Damon, mm. Which of the following is not a 2021 Nissan Sentra trim level? S, SV, SL, SR. I'm going to say S. All right. Jill, the same question goes to you. Which of the following, not a 2021 Nissan Sentra trim level? S, SV, SL, SR. I am going to say SL. Jill scores first. <laughs> Finally, I'm on the board. I'm on the board. Yes. And you're on the board first. Nice job. And this question goes to you. Jill, which of the following is not a 2021 Subaru Legacy trim level? Sport, Sport Plus, Premium, or Limited XT? Uh... Ooh, because I know XT has started to go on to um, the Outback, but did the XT make it to Legacy? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to say Sport Plus. I think that is not a trim. All right. Damon, question to you. Mm, Jill's kind of altered my thinking here. Can you read through the <laughs> options once more? I can. One of these is fake. Sport, Sport Plus, Premium, or Limited XT. And this is the Subaru Legacy. 
Yep, that is Subaru's mid-size sedan, often overlooked in the class. Nice car. Mm-hmm. Standard uh, all-wheel drive. Standard all-wheel drive. Uh, kind of a good I deal. Think, I think I am going to agree with Jill there that, and say Sport Plus is the fake. You guys are on today, and you're both correct. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, I, I, at least I think... Well, all right, but yes, XT, there, got it, go. Sorry. All right. Damon, this is topical. Uh, <laughs> and Jill, this is topical for you because you've just seen this vehicle as well. Damon, which of the following is not a 2021 Bronco Sport trim level? Mm. Mm. Big Bend, Outer Banks, Badlands, Red Valley. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Red Valley. All right. Jill, the question goes to you. Uh, we're talking about Bronco Sport. That is Ford's new compact SUV flavored off-roady little SUV that's awful cool. Uh, Big Bend, Outer Banks, Badlands, or Red Valley? Yeah, I feel like I probably already projected my answer, um, but uh, Red Valley. <laughs> you mean when you snorted derisively? Yeah, that, 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 that's when that happened. And I feel like I probably gave Damon, you know, a leg up because of my derisive snort. Okay, you both said Red Valley, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you guys are both correct. <laughs> we are we, totally in fuego this week. Yeah, yeah, you guys are kicking it. All right, Jill. Mm. Now, this one's probably less easy. Which of the following is not a 2021 Chevrolet Malibu trim level? Mm. And your first question should be, they still make the Malibu? Yeah, I was going to say, there's still a 2021 Malibu? That That and is actually the first thing that went through my head. There, there is. I think most of these are going to fleet, but there are trim levels. Which of these is fake? LS, LTRS, or LTZ? Um, well, for because I, uh, I'm, I'm not as familiar with General Motors vehicles as I am with a lot of the others. Um, and but I feel like RS is more of a sporty trim. And mm. if, as they, as you said, they're going to fleet, I would think that they would not have a sportier trim. I like so, your um, it, it's probably completely wrong, uh, but I, I do feel lucky today, so I'm going to go with RS. You're feeling lucky. Damon, are you feeling lucky? Oh, see, now I have quite the dilemma here because I'm pretty foggy on Malibu trim levels as well. RS is definitely a sport trim level at Chevrolet, and I can't remember if it made its way to the Malibu or not. Um, LTZ is also, but I remember that that Chevrolet on at least a few vehicles was nixing the LTZ name in favor of Premier for Hmm. the top line trim Hmm. level. So now Hmm. I'm racking my brain to try to remember what they did with the Malibu. I I want to say that the logic that both of you have applied to this question is sound. One of you is wrong. And I'm one question down. So if I say LTZ and I'm right that they did switch to Premier, then I tie it up. But if I agree with Jill and she's right, then I'm still. I put entirely too much thought into this. Um, uh, the, the buzzer is coming. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Just I, I gotta I gotta play boldly, so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess LTZ. Oh, Maybe that's Damon. Gonna put me too down. Damon, your boldness has paid off. Oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, LTZ was in fact replaced by Premier. There is also an L trim level at base L. So you guys are tied three to three. Oh. Did I do six questions this week? One, two, three, no, okay. Damon, which of the following is not a standard length Lincoln Navigator trim level? Standard, luxury, reserve, or black label? Standard, luxury, reserve, or black label? Um, I'm gonna say luxury. All right. Jill, same question to you. Standard, luxury, reserve, black label. I have a feeling Damon and I are going to be tying it up this week because I am also going with luxury. You have tied it up, and luxury is correct. It is four and four. Mm. Uh, 
for the, the bonus first question time. actually counts. <laughs> well, this one's super easy. This question goes to you first, Jill. Jill, according to babycenter.com, which of the following was the most popular girl's name in 1921? Oh, good. Gladys, <laughs> Mary, Pauline, or Clara? They have records going back that far? Yeah. I know, it's the time before, you know, cognitive no. thought. No, um, Gladys, oh. Mary, Pauline, or Clara? I, I, I am going with Gladys because there's this great Twitter handle um, out there um, with, with Gladys's name on it um, that, uh, you know, occasionally talks about Twitter stuff. So I'm just I'm just going with that because she's on my brain. There was a Beach Boys song called I'm Going With Gladys, I think. I'm going with Gladys. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Mm. All right, David, same question to you. 1921, most popular girl's name. Gladys, Mary, Pauline, or Clara? Um, I, I will say Clara because I'm the, the Where's the Beef Wendy's commercial just popped into my head. <laughs> Um, and she was probably born in 1921. Is that what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, she very well could have been. I, uh, in terms of useless information that's stuck in my brain, I know that that actress's name was Clara Peller. Yeah. Why do I remember that? Well done. Yeah. What yeah. a deep pull there. Um, sure. Can't, can't remember can't my remember, birthday, but yeah. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> scads of more important things than that, but yeah. I remember the, the identity of the Where's the Beef Lady. So, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to say Clara, because that, that sounds like kind of a out-of-date name now that maybe that was popular in 21. All right. I got bad news for both of you. Clara was the number 45th most popular name. Uh. Gladys was 24th. Pauline was 37th. Mary. Mary was number one in 1921. You guys are tied. No one gets a bonus point. Nice job, oh. guys. Hmm. Dang it. So what happens then? This is the. Have we it's ended in a stalemate before? You, you you need a bonus to the bonus. I don't know. First one to get me a gin and tonic wins. I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bringing you a gin and tonic. All right, I'm I'll, I'll settle with a tie. Yeah, that sounds like actual work. <laughs> I can't score a perk no matter what I do. Hey, Damon. <laughs> yes. Damon, what's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog this week? Uh, we've got a handful of uh, interesting new articles up this week. Um, come te uh, test drive. We, we at Consumer Guy, we we have had our fair share of General Motors new uh, full size SUVs, and we've been quite impressed with all of them. Yeah. Uh, the most recent one we've got up is the Chevrolet Tahoe with the Z71 uh, uh, package, or I think it's actually a trim level, and that is Z Z71 is the uh, most off-road focused version of the Tahoe. Um, and man, yeah, a, a very impressive uh, SUV. Um, that uh, it's got uh, the front fascia is designed in such a way that gives it more of an approach angle for tackling off-road obstacles and stuff. A little bit higher ride height, uh, all-terrain tires. Um, but all that gear doesn't really compromise its on-road uh, uh, drivability and comfort. No, very um, refined. Very yeah, refined. For sure. Uh, and we've got uh, a quick spin report on the 2021 Lexus RC350 F Sport. Um, yeah, sporty uh, coupes of any kind are, are a rare breed these days, and the RC is a uh, very upscale, uh, grand touring type uh, luxury coupe. That, uh, yes, this one had uh, all wheel drive. Um, and then finally, in terms of the new uh, vehicle content, we've got a first spin of the 2022 Infiniti QX55. Mm -hmm. uh, Infiniti is jumping into the uh, fray with a coupe-roofed SUV of its own. It's basically the QX55 is essentially a rakish, uh, fastback roof version of its QX50 uh, compact SUV. Yeah, this is a good-looking vehicle. I, I think the big question mark here is the QX50 
is what it is, and it's a compact crossover, a luxury compact crossover, will people pay a three to $5,000 premium for what is essentially a more rakish version of that vehicle? That's the question. It looks good, are cool looks and it's sort of individual uh, style important enough to shoppers to make this work? We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely see, yeah. Well, um, and it's and then, worth pointing out also before you move on, we had um, somebody on the show a couple of episodes ago talking about the, the QX55. We did. That's so right. if, if you missed it, um, I, I was like trying to see which episode it was. Um, gosh, has it been a month ago already? But yeah, at, at any rate, Jeff, we did recently yeah. have somebody on talking about this. So, yeah, that was, I, I guess, January 28th. Wow, that was a while ago. It um, was, yeah. It seems... So, Everything blurs during the COVID era. Yeah, it really does. But January 28th, you should go back and check out that episode because uh, we did have somebody on talking about the, the ins and outs and everything with regard to this vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, real quick, uh, in the retro category, uh, we have a forgotten concept article on the AMC AM van concept from around 1980. If you can picture an AMC Pacer uh, that's been stretched out into a sedan delivery style minivan with porthole windows on the side and some really wicked uh, vector mags and white letter tires and a cool stripe in that true 70s street van style, uh, that was an AMC concept, uh, a very cool uh, 70s uh, looking thing. Yeah, I think this vehicle is a great litmus test for what kind of car guy you are. Because you're either <laughs> going to think this is cool as heck or ridiculously stupid. Uh, article also gets into... Or well, both. Or both. Yeah, I'm kind of actually, yes. Because to your point, Damon, I'm in that camp. This was part of the Concept 80 tour. This was the last throws of AMC. Uh, and they were desperately That's trying to get right. some attention. So yeah. check that out. All right, kids, we are out of time, but thank you all for being here this week. Thanks to our guest, Randy Dale of Nissan. Thanks for chatting about the all-new Nissan Frontier with us. Thanks, as always, to Jill Simonello and Damon Bell. A tip of the hat to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. A special shout-out to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. You can download the show anyplace. So if you missed a back episode, please do that. Let's talk more about cars again next week.